Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Dr. E.J. McKenzie on Blog Talk Radio. Greetings, this is your host, Dr. E.J. McKenzie with the Master Key, this Saturday noon. Yes, look at my watch here. Kind of get time to mix up from time to time. We were having so many shows at one time. This Saturday noon, we pray that your noon is going well. Uh, Your noon day is going well today. I know Saturday is a day that so many people uh, do shopping, cleaning. But we want to congratulate you for taking out the time to uh, spend this time with us in a time talking about prayer, intercession, warfare, and the supernatural. And uh, uh, we pray that today's uh, broadcast will be a blessing to you as we uh, uh, share the heart and the mind of the Lord. I want to share something that um, uh, kind of been hitting home with us lately. Um, this comes from a result of a message that uh, um, we taught the last two Sundays, a series. And Wednesday, we kind of had, we was attempting to have question and answers. Um, but the Lord had me to go to the particular passage of Scripture and to begin to break this down. Everything, uh, God made man a tri- triune being, a tripartite being, rather. A triune, uh, well, a triune as well. A tripartite being spirit, soul, and body, but the heart of man, the soul of man, uh, the mind of man, uh, probably is the most important entity because um, that is the deciding or the decision-making factor. Whatever happens with us in the realm of God or whatever happens with us in in this physical creative realm is continued upon uh, the development of our Heart, the development of our mind, the development of our soul. Um, whoever influences that, and whatever decision we make based on that influence, will determine who will have the controlling factor, or what realm that you and I will be influenced by, or what realm that you and I will have the ability to access. The Bible let us know in the book of Genesis when Eve was manipulated by the serpent, the Bible says that her eyes, their eyes was open. And they knew uh, good and evil. Their eyes was open. Now, that seems kind of strange that their eyes would be open. Then do that mean that their eyes was closed? Uh, They was closed formed from the dust of the ground, their bodies was, and uh, which eyes was open? Was their spiritual eyes open or their natural eyes open? <clears throat> I believe that uh, they was all, eyes was always open. They was open to something that it wasn't supposed to be open to. And a lot of times, give an, give an example, eyes being open, knowing good and evil. You ever notice 
uh, do you know anyone that has ever been enslaved by pornography? Just say a child when they first time uh, looking at pornography. I think I was I, I was a young guy uh, when I saw a I think a Playboy book. I didn't own it. I was at the park. I stayed at the park all the time because I was just in sports all the time. And uh, young guy, I think I could have been in elementary school. I don't remember, but I know it was I was very young. <laughs> and I was at the park, and a lot of guys was gathered together, sitting on the bench, laughing and talking. I just ran over and see what they was uh, laughing and talking about. And a young man had a uh, a, um, a Playboy book, a penthouse, uh, whatever called those books. I forgot hustles. I forgot which. Well, for me, more for me, a Playboy books. That's what's more permanent. People know more about. But anyway, that's my first time seeing uh, um, um, women being exposed. So that's a form of your eyes being open. Um, but I believe it's divine protection. I don't think that affected me because I didn't go about and start having dreams. I didn't have um, uh, a passion to look at that. Uh had to be nobody but the Most High God. But that's a form of your eyes being open. Something that you've never been aware of, now you become aware of it. Something, but this is the key. It was illegal. God didn't want your eyes to be open to no good and evil. He wanted to be your eyes in knowing good and evil. He wanted to be your source. He wanted to be your everything. So your, that's what happens many times. Uh, uh, the enemy would try to manipulate you to open up your eyes to enslave you. And now once your eyes are open that you know uh, good and evil, then what's going to happen is that now you end up really becoming a judge. You would judge what is good and you would judge what is evil. You would determine what is good and you would determine what is evil. And really think about it, you and I have no capacity to do that. Especially if you have sinned. And the moment they've touched it, they sin. Part of the tree, the fruit, they sin. Now their eyes are open to no good and evil. So now they become a judge. This is good. This is evil. You only can know good and evil from God's perspective. The scripture says there's none good. No, not one. What the scripture says. Then if none is good, then how could you and I judge between what is good and evil? Now, we do understand we have a, a law that governs us called the law of our conscience. And that every human being have that. So, uh, But we're not talking about from that particular perspective, just common sense things, good and evil. But to know the essence of everything that's good and the essence of everything that's evil, we, 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 we don't know that. Only God knows that. And God wanted Adam and Eve to live out of their union with him. They not only would have known what is good and evil, they would have known everything. Uh, think about Adam naming all of the animals. Every Anything in this room to have a name, God, uh, Adam named it. That's supernatural, ladies and gentlemen, because he was supernatural. His body just was formed out of the dust of the ground. But God breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and man became a living soul. 
He was made in the image and the likeness of God. Let us make man in our image and our likeness. So evidently, even as Adam named everything in this realm, God names everything in heaven. He was made in the image and the likeness of God. So he had supernatural understanding, but it came out of his union with God. To no good and evil is to separate yourself from God and say, I'm God, and I know what is good, and I know what is evil. That was the manipulation. And Satan constantly trying to manipulate us to separate ourselves from him. So we know, can call what is good and call what is evil. In a, for, in a way, that's judgmentism. You have made a state of judgment. You said, that is so. Only God knows exactly what is so. And when you and I speak by the Spirit of God, then it is so. It is so. But his all, job has always been to manipulate us, to trick us, to deceive us from operating, to operate independently of God. And when we do that, we say we don't need nobody. But all of us need somebody, especially all of us need the Most High God. And let's go to this uh, particular passage of Scripture this morning, uh, if you will, this noonday. And let's look at this dealing from the perspective of dealing with the supernatural and dealing uh, in the areas of prayer, intercession, and warfare. I was going to go over the mark. Another scripture just came to my mind. Excuse me. Let me go over to the book of Proverbs, if you will. I'm going to come back over to the book of Mark, uh, chapter 4. But let me get, if you will, the book of Proverbs, chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, and I think it's about verse 23. Uh, is it 23? Is it 24? Proverbs 4. I think I may have the wrong thing here. Uh, scripture? It says, guard your heart uh, with all diligence. 23. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Proverbs chapter 4, and let's look at verse 23. It says, guard, I'm reading out of the uh, Amplified Version. Guard, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance. With all what? Vigilance. Guard and keep your heart with all vigilance. And above all, above all, above all that you guard. So evidently it must be very, very important. It must be vital that I got my heart. Why? It said, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard. For out of it flows the springs of life. Out of what? Your heart flows the springs of life. Let me get another translation see what it says here uh, in the word of the Lord. Uh, another translation says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from your heart. Everything you do flows from your heart. It kind of sounds like what Jesus was saying um, in the book of, I think, Matthew 12. Uh, there's another translation I was looking for. 
Uh, I don't see it. Let me see. Can I find? Uh, uh, here it is. Another translation. Uh, let's look at this particular translation here. In that same verse, it says, "Keep vigilant. Watch over your heart." That's where life starts. That's powerful, isn't it? That is where life starts. Life and everything else starts from your heart. Starts from your heart. This is this is real good, ladies and gentlemen. We can uh, we can get this. Let's see about another translation. Uh, see, can I? I got a couple of translations here. Um. Uh, that we can look at this morning and see what it says. Another translation says, be careful how you think. Be careful how you think. Now, I kind of glad that this translation uses this word think here because the majority of people, when it comes down to heart, they believe that the heart is your human spirit. And the heart is really not your spirit. If you really do a study on the heart, and I know a lot of teachers, uh, excellent um, uh, Bible preachers and teachers that we have in our nation, uh, they believe that the heart is the human spirit, but the heart is really not the human spirit. Um, when you look at the, the word, all of the references for heart will go right back to your uh, your mind, your your thinking processes. Notice it says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Now guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Now this particular um, translation said, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. What kind of thoughts do I have? Do I have thoughts? And that's what God says in, in, in Jeremiah 29.11. Jeremiah 29.11 says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, said the Lord. Thoughts of peace. And I'll give you even now. This scripture says, be careful how you think, for your life is shaped by your thoughts. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Now, it didn't say your life is shaped by God's thoughts. Now, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, says uh, I scripture go again, uh, I know the thoughts. I know the thoughts. I think towards you, said the Lord. Then it turns around here, and this verse says, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. So, therefore, according to this particular translation here, uh, it says that my heart coincides with my thoughts or my thinking are you getting this okay well let's look at another translation in the same um, uh, let me see here the same verse of scripture uh, those of you we're here looking at uh, Proverbs 24 uh, excuse me Proverbs 4 uh, verse 23 says same thing here again. I like this here. It says, 
carefully guard your thoughts because they are the source of true life. Carefully guard your thoughts because they are the source of true life. Now let's go back over to my foundation scripture for today. Is the book of uh now I want you to keep those keep those verses in mind. Keep that in mind. Uh those well, that one verse but I shared different translations. Now I want to go back over to the book of Mark chapter four. Mark chapter four. This have everything to do showing you some principles here is gonna help us when it comes down to dealing in the uh prayer supernatural. Now, the King James Version, that script as uh quoted out of uh Proverbs is four twenty four. Guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it flow twenty three. Out of it flows the issues of life. Guard your heart. Now we just saw with all the other translations, it was dealing with your thoughts because it says one says that that's where life begins. That's where life begins. Another one says it's the source of life. It's the source of life. So we see here the heart is not your human spirit. And once you get a chance, look it up in the Hebrew. Go to go to Proverbs four twenty three. Look up the word heart in the Hebrew. And when you go to the New Testament, uh, Mark four when he's talking about the heart in that parable. Go to Romans if you will. You'll see the same Greek word. Romans chapter ten, a very famous scripture. Everybody like to use when it comes down to salvation. Uh, um, scripture go. You believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. And you shall be saved. Heart. We have always been taught that's the human spirit. And, uh, um, but that Greek word is kadia, uh for heart and does not mean your human spirit. It kind of coincides with the verse that we just finished reading in the Hebrew. It's really dealing with your mind, dealing with your thoughts. So your heart is not your human spirit and it's not your physical heart that pumps blood. So now let's go here and see how this works. I was bringing out some principles with our congregation on in the Bible study on Wednesday night uh, concerning uh, the heart. And now the reason I was bringing this out is because of uh, the teachings we had did. Um, um, a series we just finished, I think we finished. I'd be thinking we finished and the Lord continue to add to it. Um a series we was doing, uh, and in that particular series, uh, we was revealing some things and sharing some things with them that was trying to aid the people to uh, look at some things from a different perspective. And in that particular message, it kind of alluded uh, to the heart uh, indirectly, but the Lord began to uh, bring that to me, and I began to meditate on it uh, in a greater way. And uh, we was talking about uh, reconciliation, repentance, but looking at repentance from a different perspective. We were looking at repentance from the perspective of not repenting of your sins. The word re, re, means always to go back to something. So repentance was trying to return, get you to go back to something, return to something. And so uh, uh, that's the 
uh, uh, was the perspective I was trying to share with the people in this series. Uh, um, repentance leads you into an encounter with God. That was my subject. But in that particular verse, we was reading out of the book of Mark, uh, I think Mark 6, when uh, Jesus' uh, disciples came back and gave him a report. He sent them out on a missionary journey, came back, told them everything they taught, told them everything they did. And then there was a crowd began to follow them. And uh, when the crowd began to follow them, uh, he sat down and began to teach them. When evening came, the disciple came and said, won't you send them away to the market to buy food because there's no food left. You know, people have nothing else to, uh, to eat. He said, what do you have? He said, two fish and five loaves of bread. He said, bring it to me. Brought it to him. And uh, the Bible says he took the bread, blessed the bread, gave the bread, bread multiplied, fed the people. And the scripture said immediately when he finished feeding the people, immediately he uh, put the pe- uh, his disciples on a boat to go to the other side. And uh, Sunday morning, uh, before I, I always go to my office early in the morning before I go to the uh, to the service. And I was kind of meditating on the words of the Lord, and, and uh, uh, so the Lord said, "Well, why, why immediately He put the disciples in the boat and uh, send them away to go to the other side? I mean, what was the rush?" Immediate. What was the rush? And the Spirit of God, and this is the essence of what I'm going to share with you about the supernatural, because they encountered the supernatural, but the supernatural did not affect them. And uh, and and uh, ready audience, this would be a good message for you to to get. It'll, it'll help you. You can go to our website and get that if you desire to. But it's an excellent principle here. Now watch this here. And I, I never thought about it before. I just asked him. and said, why, what was the urgency? Why did you put them in the boat immediately? And the Lord spoke to me and said, he said, while the teaching and while the miracle was fresh in their hearts, I sent them away. What was fresh? And when you begin to understand why the immediacy and why the freshness, because when you begin to look at the parable of the seed and the sower, the sower sows the word. Jesus just finished teaching the word. He just finished working a miracle. He put them in a boat immediately and sent them to the other side. And the Bible said they began to experience contrary winds. Contrary. Contrary to what? Contrary to what they was taught and contrary to the miracle that they saw. But the problem with the majority of us is we forget. Now, the reason I'm saying this, 
I'm going back to Mark 6 before I start off today with Mark chapter 4. And all of us has been there, ladies and gentlemen, one time or another. Verse 52 in Mark chapter 6, when Jesus uh, got in the boat, immediately the storm ceased to say it. Uh, the storm ceased. Verse 52 says, For they failed to consider, this is the Amplified Version, for they failed to consider or understand the teaching and meaning of the miracle of the loaves. Understand what the teaching and meaning of the miracle of the loaves. In fact, their hearts had grown callous, had become dull, and had lost the power of understanding. Do you see what, when we don't comprehend and understand, what is it saying here? The heart had grown callous, had become dulled, and had lost the power of understanding. But the key now, watch it right here, going back to verse 52, the first part. For they failed to consider and or understand the teaching and meaning of the miracle. So you mean to tell me that there is something that is being taught every time a miracle is wrought? Yes. You're trying to tell me there's something that God wants me to understand from the meaning every time, uh, understand from the miracle every time a miracle is wrought? Yes, absolutely. And that's why we fail. And that's why we panic. That's why they panic when the storm began to come against them. It began to come against them. Because if they had understood it, they never would have panicked when the storm came. And a lot of times we've been so messed up because we've been in church all our lives. And not only that, ladies and gentlemen, when you really look at the definition of the heart and the heart, even the ones that have been preaching the word. Even the ones that are preaching the word. So even ones that God has used, I know people personally. I know people right in Panorama. We are a, 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 a spiritual gifted church. Quite a few of the people in our church flows in the gifts of the spirit. But it means nothing. Give an example. Sunday before last. Uh... I was teaching this series, I started this series right here, and I was talking about reconciliation. And I was bringing out some principle about the ministry of reconciliation. It's our responsibility to bring everything manifestly in harmony with God that is not in harmony with God. That's the purpose of reconciliation. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. And I said, our bodies belong to God, our soul, our spirit belong to God. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation and the word of reconciliation, and we demonstrated it. And I said, everyone in here is challenging your body. We had about 15 people come up, 15, 20 people come up, challenging their body. And I told them, I said, and, and, and I really don't flow in the gifts of the Spirit that much in our church anymore. I really try to get the people flowing. And uh, the reason I do that is because I believe the body should be doing flowing more in the gifts than we are 
We should be equipping them, helping them. But because a lot of us preachers, we're so insecure, we create a dependency. We want the people to depend on us and see us as anointed, and that's because we are insecure and challenged with such great spirit of rejection, the majority of us preachers. So to make a long story short, they came in line, had people come in and said, somebody stand in front of these people. People came out of the audience stood in front of them and uh, had led them into a, not a prayer. It's another thing. You never see anywhere in the word Jesus prayed, prayed for somebody to get healed. Their faith made him whole or he commanded the devil to leave. He didn't pray, please, Mr. Devil, please, Mr. Sickness, please, Mr. Disease, please, Mr. Cancer, please, will you leave? He took authority over it. Prayer and warfare is two different things. He took authority over it, took dominion over it. Some men times even his very presence uh, set people free without him praying, without him taking authority over it, not praying. But anyway, every person got healed that day as they exercised the ministry of reconciliation. What we did, we taught, we demonstrated. We taught, we demonstrated. We taught, we demonstrated. Now, those people that laid hands on those people, what happened? About 15, 20 people. I don't remember how many number, what the number was, 15, 20. So that means if it was 15 people, that means it was 30 people that was involved in the miracle. The one that laid hands and the one that received. So, what did the one learn? And what did the one understand? The one that God used as the tool and instrument to lay hands on the one that needed, the, needed it. Then, I mean, different, different kind of things was present that day. Uh, physical bone thing, uh, ankles, uh, just different things. Everybody received a manifestation. Then if I didn't learn anything, what's going to happen? I'm going to fall right back into a state of defeat. i got to learn. It's all of us. Teach me. What are you was communicating to me? Because the scripture said, for they fail to consider or understand the teaching and meaning, the teaching and meaning of the miracle of the loaves. So every miracle is a teaching. It's a lesson to be learned. Every miracle is a lesson to be learned. Every miracle is designed for me to understand something about God I did not know before. And see, when you hear me talk talk like this, you'll probably say, uh, what is to be learned from a miracle? But think about it, ladies and gentlemen. It's not God trying to get you to learn a miracle. He's trying to really teach you something about him who worked the miracle. He is the miracle worker. Not me, not you. We're nothing but instruments. He is the miracle worker. If that is not settled in our heart, we're going to always be tricked and manipulated, ladies and gentlemen. The one that's working the miracle and the one that's receiving the miracle will be tricked and manipulated because both parties need to learn something. As a matter of fact, the one that's working the miracle should already have learned something, but we haven't learned anything. We just believe it's God's will to use us, and we're satisfied with being used but still don't know God, that's using us, then we always can continue to be educated. The one that uh, is the instrument of working the miracle and the one that's receiving the miracle. 
because all of this right here have everything to do with all of our hearts. So it says here they didn't understand because of their hearts had grown callous, had become dull, and had lost the power of understanding. Lost the power of understanding. Now let's go back over here, if you will, to the book of uh, uh, Mark, if you will, chapter 4. And let's break this down, if you will, dealing with the supernatural, dealing with prayer, dealing with intercession, and dealing with warfare. Now Mark 4 and 24 makes this statement. This is so important. So important. Now let me maybe let me go back up here and then come back uh, by twenty four. Jesus made this statement in Mark uh, four and verse thirteen. He says, and he said to them, "Do you not discern and understand this parable?" Now here's 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 understanding again, because what people need to understand, you understand with your heart, you see with your heart, you perceive with your heart. And you hear with your heart. And I am not talking about your natural eyes and natural ears. That's not what I'm talking about. And I'm going to show you in a few minutes here. He says here, do you not discern and understand this parable? How then is it possible for you to discern and understand all parables? If you get this one, you'll understand them all. Verse 14 said, the sword sows the word. The soul the sower sows the word. You got a sower, and what is he sowing? Seed. What is seed? The word here. And you got a recipient of the seed that has been sown. And it's very important that we understand here. Now, in Mark 4, and basically all through all four gospels, this parable is to, uh, dealt with. The key here, he's talking about four different kinds of heart, and not only four different kinds of heart, but I be four, deg- uh, four different kinds of hearts and three degrees of the different kinds of heart. Four different kinds and three degrees within the four different kinds of heart. Now, he starts off talking about a seed that is sown along the path. This is, this is uh, Amplified Version, so it's the wayside in the King James. You got a wayside heart, you have a stony heart, you have a thorny heart, and you have a good ground heart. Four different kinds of hearts. Four different kinds of hearts. And we see the first three, they fail. The word was not able to produce. The word was not able to come forth. No crop could come forth out of the first three hearts that's articulated in Mark chapter 4. It have everything to do with the supernatural age and prayer. One of the things, uh, we have a prayer line, two prayer lines, um, a, a men line, um, a pastor's line, rather. Got more than, more than two lines. But uh, pastors' lines, um, Monday and a Wednesday, um, my wife prayed with a group of pastors' wives. <laughs> and then we have other, so many other different lines, lines for parents. Uh, but I want to get into all that. But um, 
So we see here we have, uh, oh, I know what I was probably bringing that out. I was talking about the past. I'm always challenging uh, people in relationship with keep your heart clean. Keep your heart clean. You got to fight to keep your heart clean. It's vital that you keep your heart clean. Keep your heart clean. Keep your heart clean. Keep your heart clean. And the reason that I'm always challenging them to keep their heart clean is because if we ever allow it, our heart to get contaminated, we can never produce. We could never live manifestly in the earth realm to be the man, the woman, the boy, the girl that God has ordained upon and anointed to be. We, we can't do it. We can't do it. So here we see in the word of the Lord that uh, there's four kinds of hearts. You got the wayside, stony, thorny, and good. And the reason I said there's three dimensions, I believe, in each one of them, because of the, even with the good ground, it said it would produce some 30, some 60, and even 100-fold. Somewhat 30, 60, 100-fold. Somewhat 30, 60, 100-fold. So four different kind of hearts. So every time you pray war battle, you and I were praying war and a battle from the condition of one of these four. Now, if it's not good ground, there's no production. I'm not bringing forth fruit. If I'm binding the enemy, the enemy is really not bound. There's no no fruit, no manifestation of his binding. If my heart is a wayside, a stony, thorny, the only time there will be production is when my heart is a good ground heart. Now, the reason I brought that up, the coming back to verse 24, because it's vital. Now, notice how our hearts is developed with verse 24. And he said to them, be careful what you are hearing. Now, he said, be careful. That sounds just like Proverbs, don't it? Proverbs 4, 23. It says, be careful what you are hearing. Be careful what you are hearing. Be careful what you are hearing. I think I'm going to read this in different translation as well so we can kind of get a gist of, of what has been articulated here. Be careful what you're hearing. The measure of thought, the measure, the measure, the amount of thought and study you give, you give to the truth you hear. You give to the truth you hear will be measured, will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. Will be the measure, will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you who hear. And more and more and more will be given to you who hear, who hear. So hearing is very important here. 
Let's get to a good, uh, another translation before we break this down, if we will, and see what this translation says. Verse 24 here. Listen carefully to what you hear. The way you treat others will be the way you will be treated. And even worse, interesting. Interesting. Now here it's talking about treating how you treat other people based on what you, how you listen. That's interesting. Let's look at another translation verse for verse 24. It says, he also said to them, pay attention to what you hear. The same rules you use to judge others will be used by God to judge you. But with even greater severity. Mm. This is getting better and better. Looking at the different translations in this. Let's look at another translation and see what this translation says. Matthew 4, or not Matthew, Mark 4. And 24 in this translation says, listen carefully to what I am saying and be weary of the the shrewd advice that tells you how to get ahead in the world on your own. Giving, not getting, is the way. Notice what it says, giving, not getting, is the way. So all of these tra- different translations is uh, bringing this out a little different uh, than each other. This is good, though. This is good. It's very good. Let me get another one here, 24. Another translation, consider carefully what you hear. He continued... With the measure you use, it would be measured to you and even more. Okay. If there's any other uh, translations that I have here that we can kind of look at. Oh, yeah, here's one here. Let's look at the new living uh, in this particular uh, translation. The new living, 24. Consider carefully what you hear. The same thing. I'm going to send it. He continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Okay. Pray that you're getting something uh, uh, from this today. Um, the Word of God is, is so powerful. And I, I, I love... Um, uh, reading uh, from this kind of perspective. Did I bring that up here? Let me see. Uh, I, I love reading. There it is. Uh, looking at Scripture, different translation, meditating on them, contemplating to see how God will articulate uh, to me. 
Verse 24, and he said, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. Okay. All right, let me go back to uh, my amplified version that I was using this morning. Uh, I think there was one more. No, no, I think I got them all. Okay, now, now when it comes down to super uh, dealing in prayer, the heart dealing with anything, dealing with anything in prayer, or uh, dealing with anything uh, in the supernatural, anything in God, my success, your success, and my advancement, your advancement, is contingent upon the condition of my heart. Now we're seeing, I just showed you, the different grounds, good ground, stony ground, way, uh, uh, wayside ground, and thorny ground. Every human being on the face of the earth, heart is in one of these two different conditions. All of us. Either right now, my heart is a thorny heart, stony heart. Wayside heart or good ground heart. Right now, my radio audience that is listening to me right now, you are listening in a disposition of a heart that is good, stony, thorny, or wayside. If you get a chance to study all this, because we don't have time to do that today, break this down. Because this lets you know your capacity of hearing. It lets you and I know our capacity of hearing. Your ability, my ability to hear anybody that's communicating to me, when, especially when the Word of God is coming forth. My ability to hear it, my ability to comprehend it, is contingent upon, is my heart a wayside? Is my heart stony? Is my heart thorny? Is my heart good ground? And if my heart is good ground, what dimension of good ground? What level of good ground is my heart? 30 level? 60 level? 100 fold level? And all of these levels is continued upon how much I have submitted, how much I have committed, how much I have surrendered unto him. To the degree of me totally surrendering will be the degree that he have access to my heart, 30, 60, 100. Now, all those other things, the wayside, stony, thorny, reveals something about selfishness, what I want, and what I refuse to give up. And so I can't hear properly. Because self is in the way. Now, let's break this down, 24. And he said to them, be careful what you are hearing. Be careful what you are hearing. Be careful what you are hearing. Now, whose responsibility to be careful or to pay attention? I like the other translation when it says, pay attention. So we, we understand that word more than we do careful. Pay attention to what you're hearing. Whose responsibility to pay attention? It's my responsibility. Can you pay attention when your heart is filled with what you want? Absolutely not. That's the problem. That's the problem with children, with parents. That's the problem with parents with their authorities, their boss on their job. 
their pa- uh, their pastors, or whoever. That is their responsibility. So my responsibility is to pay attention. It's my responsibility to to listen. Now, when you say pay attention, now, think about it. If you pay attention, that means there's no distractions. If you pay attention, that means you're focused. You ever saw uh, uh, a magnifying glass that uh, we, we played with this when, uh, when I was a kid and uh, I think in, in elementary science class or whatever you had and talked about the magnified glass and, and, and magnification. Right? If you put it in the sun and, and, uh, and, and pinpoint it and just let it stay there for a while and what will begin to happen it will it can cause a fire because of the intensity of the magnification of the magnifying glass on a certain object. It it penetrates to catch a fire. So to pay attention means that there is absolutely nothing that is blocking the consecration of that magnifying glass when it's when it's when it's Lifted up in that it's like a laser beam coming from that glass from the sun sun penetrating through the glass into the object and it begin to catch on fire. That means there's nothing that's blocking it, nothing that is hindering it. It's not pinpointed on five different things. It's only pinpointing that one object. So. But think about the enemy, the enemy of paying attention, the enemy of consecration is those four things, four conditions of the heart. The stony, thorny, wayside. That means my heart is occupied with something else. And whatever my heart is occupied with is more important to me than the person that is speaking to me. So I cannot pay attention. So notice what it says here. And he said to them, be careful what you are hearing. Be careful what you are hearing. Pay attention to what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear. The me- now notice what it says, the measure of thought and study you give. The measure of thought and study you give. Notice what it says again. The measure of thought and study you give. It's my responsibility to focus. But a lot of us has never been taught how to to pay attention. We just said, pay attention. That's what was said to me. Pay attention. And all of this is very important because if we don't learn how to do this, ladies and gentlemen, you and I will never, never learn how to hear the voice of God. And see, somebody can prophesy. I mean, you you could float in a gift. I'm not talking about floating in a gift because your gift only works for somebody. It really don't work for you. I'm talking about a lifestyle. Excuse me. I'm talking about a lifestyle. I'm talking about what Jesus said. And the only way you and I can pay attention and produce and create a good ground heart, as the word of the Lord, I was uh, finished praying with our men. We uh, 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 prayed with my men today, right before the uh, radio program. And one thing I shared with them in my, in my devotion this morning, uh, I just happened to open up. My, my computer was on. I left it on, but I had it on sleep. Open it up, and and uh, uh, 
Charles Finney, uh, a statement Charles Finney made, he was talking about breaking up your fallow ground. He was talking about the different condition of the heart. He was talking about things that cause uh, uh, hearts to become hardened and they need to be broken up. And Charles Finney was talking about one of the things to my ingratitude. We're not grateful. We're not thankful. Our hearts are so hard, we're not even conscious how merciful God has been to us. We're not conscious how good God has been to us. So we don't stop and think and consecrate and pay attention that I could have died. He didn't have to do this. I could have been divorced. I could have lost my children. I could have lost my job. I could have lost my life. I could have lost my health. And God has been so good and we're so ungrateful, unthankful, unappreciative. We, it's so normal to it. We're so casual with it. He said, that is a form of a heart of the heart. See, I cannot perceive God. Goodness is love. So I got to pay attention. But I, it's impossible for me to pay attention. To pay attention to the supernatural God, the remedy, ladies and gentlemen, is one thing and one thing. Oh, Jesus gave us the remedy. He gave us the remedy. And it's not up to God to do this. It's up to me to do this. It's up to you to do this. If we want to live in the realm of God, if we want to really live in the realm of the supernatural and flow in the realm of the supernatural, we make it so difficult. And we and we operate in this thing, and we don't even realize we're operating in it. What are you talking about, preacher? Jesus made a statement. Ladies and gentlemen, the principle still works for us today. He told his disciples and those who follow him, if any man want to come after me, now, that's the physical Jesus. The physical Jesus is gone. Jesus is in the third heavens, sitting on the right hand of the Father right now. Do we still pursue him? Absolutely. Paul said, I count all things done that I make win him. Paul talks about uh, how he pressed towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. But how you do that? What did Paul say? I count all things done. I count all things done. What does that mean? I deny myself. I pay no attention to what I've gained in this realm. It's not as important to me as gaining Christ. So Jesus said, if any man will come after me, this is how you and I really, really will tap into the supernatural and live in that realm. Not, don't focus on flowing the gifts of the Spirit. Don't focus on that. You can, you can flow in the gifts of the Spirit and still go to hell. According to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, 22, 23, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, enter the kingdom of heaven. There are some who come into my, my name and say, Lord, I prophesy in your name. I pro, uh, lay hands on sick in your name. I cast out devils in your name. But this is going to be my response. Depart from me, I know you not, you worker of iniquity. You worker of iniquity. So don't focus on the gifts of the Spirit, ladies and gentlemen. You will get tricked and manipulated and deceived. But Galatians tells us that if we uh, live in the Spirit, we should also walk. That should be my cry, your cry. It's walking there. But how do I do that? If any man come after me, the first thing he got to do is deny himself. I love the way the Amplified breaks deny down. Which, if you really look up in a dictionary, it says the same thing. That's what I love about Amplified. It really breaks the Greek down. Uh, it, it defines it without me having to look up a lot of the Greek words. Deny means to 
disregard myself, pay no attention to myself, lose sight of myself and my own interests. And what? My own interests. That is why we have so many people unqualified. Unqualified husbands, unqualified wives, unqualified leaders in the body of Christ, unqualified everything. You want to know why? Because to be elevated by God, to be raised up by God, to be qualified to be a biblical husband, to be qualified to be a biblical wife, somewhere in your life before you got married, somewhere in your life before you was elevated to a position of an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, you have, if God raised you up, because a lot of people have not been raised up by God. If God, we have had to experience this, that we live a self-denial life. We live for the success of somebody else. And it should start as children to the parents. But but we have our parenting skills has been so distorted because we've been we don't allow this world to influence our parenting skills. Every child is to be trained. And those scripture says uh how the scripture is go concerning children, train for the child in the way they should go, when they're old they should not depart from it. And then it says, uh uh, how the scripture go about training them in, in the in the field of the Lord? Uh, I'm misquoting that. I know I'm misquoting that. But you all that know the word, you all know what I'm talking about. Train up a child the way they should go. Oh, this have everything to do with supernatural. How does it have everything to do with supernatural? Watch this right here. Biblical ch- parenting is to prepare children for God, not for their parents. You to prepare them for the supernatural. You to prepare them for God. That is why if you look in the Bible, ladies and gentlemen, especially the Old Testament, any time a man of God was raised up, he was not raised up by his parents. He was not raised up by his parents. He was raised up by another spiritual man, became his spiritual father. So why? Because usually parents' feelings and emotions get in the way. They they, they they get in the way, and so they compromise. We are here to raise people up for God. That's what a spiritual father is supposed to do, spiritual, raise them up for God. And watch it right. And you can't raise nobody else up if you've never been raised up. And so you would never, you would compromise because you're more concerned about the relationship them with you than them with God. Then you disqualify. You're going to hurt them. Same thing with children. So our job, and how does that work? Parents should teach and train their children to serve them. Why? If their children ever could serve the parents well, they would serve God well. But it is so perverted and distorted, we see parents serving children. And that's why the children is selfish today. Self-centered today. That's why so, they, they don't like going to church. They don't love reading that Bible. They don't love God because they don't have a servant spirit nor mentality because the parents never helped develop that. Know why? Because the parents never had anybody help develop them with that. They, have, they live two different lives. They have a church life and a home life. It don't supposed to be that way. 
You're supposed to have one life. One life. A life as unto God in the realm of God. Living in the realm of God. Living for God. So we have separate lives. Because we we have never truly served without an ulterior motive. Without I'm serving this man, this woman, as a step is on to get to where I want to go or to make me look good or to make me look great. Ladies and gentlemen, it's about Jesus. It's not about the man you serve, not the woman you serve. It's about Christ. And the man that has become your spiritual father, mother, or the case, they, they should know that. And they would they bring you to them only to take you to him. If you can never trust, I should write, if you can never trust Anyone that you can see, you will never trust him or you do not see. God will put you and I always in these kinds of relationships. How did that get on that? <laughs> you know, I'm talking about uh, paying attention. There it is. Paying attention. Without that, that's how your heart becomes a good ground heart. And only out of a good ground heart you can pray. Only out of a good ground heart you can do spiritual warfare. Only out of a good ground heart you can do battle. You cannot do battle in the realm of the spirit with a stony, thorny, wayside heart. Because a stony heart, wayside heart, thorny heart, what it does, it keeps you locked into this natural realm. It keeps you in bondage to this natural realm. And you would never be able to move forces of darkness. You can never bind them successfully. If you have a heart that is a wayside, stony, a thorny, only a good ground heart. And we showed you in the word of the Lord today, we didn't really get a chance to get into it like I wanted to. Be careful how you put you how you're listening. Pay attention to what you're hearing, scripture says. I listen, hearing. Be careful how you're hearing, what you're hearing. To the measure that you hear would be the measure that comes back to you. This is how it works. This is how it works. Who have God assigned to you for you to pay attention to? You can emulate and not imitate. Imitation comes through impartation. Are you getting this today? My time been up. I see here, I think I'm about, I'm not that bad, about three minutes over. But uh, this is how it works. And you got to fight to keep your spirit clean, fight to keep your heart clean. When the Spirit of God brings conviction, repent immediately. Get it right. Get it right with Him so you can go on with Him. And you can be the instrument that God has ordained, appointed, anointed you to be. So you can do you uh, you can do battle in the realm of the spirit for God, and you can be an instrument and a channel in the hands of God for God to be able to use you to help people. That's what it's all about, ladies. It's about helping people. It's about helping people. You cannot help somebody if you've never been helped yourself, because you're not going to know how to help anyone. They're going to know how to help anyone. Ask God to break up your, uh, help you, allow you to submit to Him to break up your deep to break up your fallow ground, to remove every stone from your heart, to remove every thorn from your heart, and that he would give us a heart that is pliable and sensitive. And always understand this right here. You've got to understand it. You've got to understand that when God is breaking up your fallow ground, 
do not resist him because he usually used somebody you know as the instrument to break up your fallow ground. See, we want the fallow ground to be broken by fasting and prayer. It don't work that way. It's circumstances and situations that God uses for you to submit, to surrender to him. You see, but it's painful. No pain, no gain. It's supposed to be painful. That's the thing that amazes me about the majority of us Christians. We don't want to experience no pain. It's going to be painful. But think about it. Why do you need to be comforted if you're not in a situation for to be comforted? You don't want even the Holy Spirit to exercise his ministry. How could you even be helped if you've never been in a situation to be helped? You can never encounter the Holy Spirit. He's putting you in that old situation for him to become a reality to us. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been your host, Dr. Jimmy Kinsley, the Master Key. I pray that you you joined us on the last Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday uh, uh, this week. And I pray that God uh, 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 broke through for you. I pray that you embraced what the Lord spoke uh, to us uh, and through us. And and uh, I just enjoyed those last Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesdays coming together at 5.30 a.m., uh, battling. Uh, I, I feel the strength of you when you're on, online. I can feel you. I feel your strength. Um, uh, I feel you. I'm going to use this word energy. And a lot of people, that's new age, but that's what power is. Power is nothing but energy, and that's the Holy Spirit. So, uh, But I'm not getting to no semantics, but I, I can feel you, and I thank God for you joining forces with us, doing battle, advancing the kingdom of God, and I just pray God's blessings upon you. Uh, this is your year and season of reward. But ladies and gentlemen, that means nothing. God can talk all day long, but is my heart, has my heart been prepared and conditioned in order to receive everything that God has ordained, appointed, and anointed me to be? Let me keep my spirit clean. Let me keep my spirit and my heart clean. Fight to do that. Forgive everybody that's hurt, hurt you. Forgive everybody that's wounded you. Loose it, let it go. And I ask God to give you the grace. The grace to pray for them, the grace to love them, the grace to bless them. I just got to give you the grace. You don't have to trust them, but the, you know you got to love them. It's a difference, ladies and gentlemen. So, so do that, so the enemy will not have anything to try to block and stop the manifestation of God's blessings for your life. Keep us in prayer. We love and appreciate you. Well, tomorrow is Resurrection Sunday, and we pray that your Resurrection Sunday is going to be dynamite. We pray that Jesus will be exalted as Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and we pray that Jesus um, will be resurrected. Everyone will experience the resurrection of Jesus on tomorrow. Uh, uh, I pray that divine health will be embraced, will be risen above sickness and disease. I pray that confusion, uh, um, excuse me, unity will be uh, risen above chaos and confusion. I pray uh, that uh, there will be manifestation of testimonies, of blessings this week. I even start the, the day. The day is not over with. Uh, uh, risen itself above the spirit of poverty and light. Let the resurrection power and authority of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be made manifest in your life today that you will have a testimony tomorrow of the resurrection power and authority of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He is Lord, ladies and gentlemen. He is master and he is king. He is our victor, conqueror, and overcomer. And he's sitting on the right hand of the Father right now, forever making intercession for you and I and all of humanity. We love you, appreciate you. God bless you. Once again, this has been your host, Dr. E. Jimmy Kinsley, the Master Key. Let the rest of your day be blessed. Mm-hmm.